Welcome to Stuck in Misery, the best Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, running a two-man band today with my guy, James West. We're going to get right into our week five picks. But James, my Chicago Bears winners last night, a 20-19 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bears improved to 4-1. and one. The Bucs are now 3-2. and two. And somehow, Nick Foles got the best of Tom Brady yet again. Welcome in, James. Yeah. How about that? You know, I'm really glad that they played on Thursday because the Bears would have once again proved me wrong when I picked against them. And at this point, <laughs> it's just an odds game. But I think I might keep it up because I'm pretty sure you could say that I'm doing the city of Chicago a favor with this. But but yeah, Nick Foles edged out Tom Brady by a point. I think there it looked like Tom Brady forgot that it was fourth down. This season, you know, Tom Brady's looked great like he did last week. There have been other games like the first one where he threw, what is it, he threw a couple picks and Bruce Arians kind of got after him in the media and everyone wanted to make a story about it. But I think really what it comes down to is Tom Brady's a guy that depends and utilizes chemistry unlike other quarterbacks. And I think with this offseason, switching to a new team, having new receivers, he hasn't had time to get that chemistry with his coaching staff, with his receivers. And I think that's why you're seeing some of these dumb Tom Brady mistakes that we're not used to seeing. Yeah, and for the Stuck in Misery listeners, when James makes his Bears pick, pretty much just fade that. That's the lesson learned here. But in last night's game, James, we can talk about Brady all you want to, but Khalil Mack for the Bears proved why he was the best player on the field. And he was going up against Tristan Wirfs, the rookie offensive tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it was a baptism by fire. And what I mean by that is Khalil Mack absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage in this game and proved why the Bears traded a first-round draft pick to the Raiders in exchange for him two seasons ago now. And Khalil Mack had two sacks. It should have been three. Three hits on Brady, two tackles for a loss, and a pass batted down. He was wreaking havoc all night for the Bears from a defensive standpoint. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, from an offensive standpoint, just really struggled to get things going. James, I know you want to talk about the Bears quarterback play and a potential solution that you have, but I have to get this off my chest, my man. The Bears have to more effectively run the football because if the last two weeks have been any indication, I don't care who you put back there, the quarterback's going to struggle if you don't get a better balance between the run and the pass. The Bears had 35 rushing yards last night against the Bucks. The week before, in their week four loss to the Colts, this team only had 28 yards rushing. So you've got to try to get the running game going. That's going to be a bit of a challenge now, too, because the Bears starting guard, James Daniels, he's going to undergo an MRI on his pectoral muscle. And there's a source saying that there's a fear that it might be a season-ending injury. But I know the Colts and the Bucks are effective at stopping the run. But you're going to put an awful lot of pressure, regardless if it's Foles or Trubisky back there, if you can't more effectively run the ball to set up the play-action pass, to set up the passing game, to make sure that you're being respectable 
to another team's defense if they can just sit back there and know that you're going to throw on every play? I think anyone who's anyone anyone who knows anything about football knows that it that it all starts with the offensive line. That and that goes to giving your quarterback protection, and it goes to giving your running back space to run. So, yeah, yeah, the Bears need to upgrade their offensive line. I, I think that every single team in the league would get a little bit better if they upgraded their offensive line. So it's, it's not necessarily news, but, yeah, you're right. So, James, I know you had a solution. We were talking before the pod of potential quarterbacks that the Bears could pursue because – you're of the belief that Nick Foles is a Band-Aid to cover a flesh wound, which I certainly understand. The Bears have been looking for a quarterback ever since Sid Luckman left town decades ago. Walk us through that of what you think the Bears should do in the offseason. Well, I don't know. Well, well we got to see what happens. But maybe, maybe we get into our next pick, and then we can, we can delve a little deeper into this, into this, into this theory. Okay, let's go to that game then. And that is the Cardinals at Jets. And Joe Flacco is back for the Jets. He's starting in place of Sam Darnold, who's got a shoulder injury. The Cardinals are a seven and a half point favorite over the Jets. And DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals has played through an ankle injury. I know Kyler Murray was getting some hype early on as a potential MVP candidate. I know a lot of people have compared him to almost like a Lamar Jackson light, but the Cardinals have fallen off a little bit in the last few weeks in the sense that, okay, yeah, they're going up against an 0-4 Jets team, but the Cardinals right now sit at 2-2 two and two through a quarter of the season. Don't ever bet on the Jets unless you're <laughs> betting for them to lose. Like, I think I, that's all I got to say about that one. But what I do want to talk about was, was this quarterback change. Because I think, I think switching out Sam Darnold for Joe Flacco is a complete downgrade. And for me, the only reason why I think that you can rationalize this move is because Adam Gase is either trying to pin this awful season on Sam Darnold, which, in my opinion, Sam Darnold isn't the problem. I think most people would agree that Sam Darnold isn't the problem with this Jets team. Or they're intentionally trying to tank to secure that number one draft spot so that they can either get picks or they can get Trevor Lawrence. So I'm not really sure which one it is, but either way, it doesn't necessarily bode well for Sam Darnold, who I think is a pretty good young quarterback in the league. So, like we mentioned here, Bears need a quarterback. And I think Sam Darnold is a much better option than Nick Foles or, or, anyone, or any of the other, or Trubisky or any of, the, any of the other options that the Bears have right now. And potentially you could get him for a lot cheaper than you could to go, go up and grab Trevor Lawrence or, or, or someone else in the draft. This reminds me a little bit of what happened to Josh Rosen as the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. They bring in Cliff Kingsbury, Kingsbury who had coached Kyler Murray, then goes with this guy, Kyler Murray. Rosen goes, I believe it was to the Dolphins and 
he's out of there too because the regime decides, no, we want to go ahead with Tua, and Tua is waiting in the wings behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. You could argue that Sam Darnold's really not gotten a fair shake as the Jets quarterback just because what personnel have they really put around him? You kind of have quite the theory there, James, in terms of the chicken or the egg of who's going to actually survive in New York. Adam Gase is the favorite as the next coach to get fired in the NFL. Uh, first was Bill O'Brien of the Texans. But that's interesting to think that, okay, even when Darnold does get healthy, say Flacco plays well in relief of an injured Darnold this week, that, oh, okay, well, let's just ride Flacco. Let's try to ride the hot hand and then pin the blame on Darnold, a quarterback in his third season in the league, trying to prove that he's worth a large contract extension or a large contract with another team. So that's an interesting theory that you have there, James. I do think if you're a savvy NFL GM, potentially you could trade for Darnold and poach him away for maybe a later round draft pick, certainly not a first round draft pick just to see what he's got. But it's interesting that you think it's hard to evaluate him just considering that the talent that the Jets have surrounded Darnold with hasn't been very good. So we'll see what happens there. And I think that there's a good chance, James, that both Adam Gase and Sam Darnold are not employed by the Jets in the 2021 season. So that's just kind of my thought process there. No, totally. And there are a lot of teams that have invested in older quarterbacks that arguably need a young backup to move further into the future with you know i mean the colts the titans neither one of their quarterbacks really i think they're they're both in the twilight of their careers and i think if you invest in a quarterback like sam darnold you could let him sit you could let him learn but uh it's kind of like a situation where you know you you saw how the browns just shuffle through quarterbacks because they had nothing to nothing to support that quarterback I think it's kind of the same way with the Jets right now, and it's a losing situation. If you're Darnold, I'm sure the situation isn't great, but I think the best thing for his career is to hopefully find a new landing spot with a team that like actually has some talent for him to work with. Almost what the Saints did this year with Jameis and letting him sit under Drew Brees if Drew Brees decides to hang it up after this year. Winston's at least an option at quarterback. I'm not saying he's the greatest quarterback in the league, but I think Winston's certainly talented enough to be a starter somewhere in the NFL. And we'll see if that happens in New Orleans or with another team beyond this season. In this game, James, I will also take the Cardinals at seven and a half. I cannot bet on the Jets. The Jets and the Giants are my two teams where it's like, you don't know what team's going to show up. I don't know what Joe Flacco's going to show up. And certainly, if he had anything left in the tank, I don't think that the Ravens would have gotten rid of him. Certainly, the Ravens have been better off with Lamar Jackson, but you don't get rid of a Super Bowl winning quarterback and just let him walk if he doesn't have a whole lot left. I like the Cardinals to cover seven and a half points on the road against the New York Jets. All right, we will go to the next matchup, and that is the Carolina Panthers against the Atlanta Falcons. And James, the Falcons are 0-4, the Panthers 2-2. Panthers have won two in a row, my man. You can hop on my Christian McCaffrey Ewing theory train now if you want to, but the Panthers have looked good the last two weeks, and Mike Davis has done a nice job filling in for CMC in the backfield. 
Nah, Mark, I'm not jumping on that train because that Carolina Panthers team finally started to play well once he got hurt. They didn't start playing well because he got hurt. And weeks one and two, Christian McCaffrey was the only the only bright spot on that team. And I'm just I'm not buying the theory. But this is an interesting matchup because I you know, you would think that you would think that the Falcons should have a much better record than they really do, but they just keep melting down. Listen, like, this one's kind of a tough matchup. I'm not buying your Ewing theory, and I think when McCaffrey comes back, granted he comes back fully healthy, I think the team will take an even bigger step forward. I think they'll get even better. But when I look at this game, I, I, think, it's, I think it's kind of a tough one to choose because the Falcons just have this history – this season and I guess kind of, you know, historically of just giving up the lead and melting down. And we kind of have to assume that Julio Jones probably won't play this week. And when that's the case, like it makes it really hard to want to pick them to win versus a Carolina team that seems to be putting it together and seems to be on a hot streak. So I don't know, like I'm kind of back and forth because of all those reasons. But Mark, what do you think? I'm going to take the Panthers to cover as a three and a half point underdog. And a guy who you need to learn the name of is safety Jeremy Chin for the Panthers. He leads all rookies in tackles and he leads the team in tackles as well. He's played very well for this Panthers defense. So keep an eye on him. I like the Panthers to keep it rolling in week five. And I think they win their third consecutive game. And when we get Sam back on the pod next week, James, I think you guys are going to start to buying into my CMC Patrick Ewing theory. I just, I don't see that happening, man. I don't, I don't think that's the case, but sure, man, you can, you can keep hoping. You know what? I, I've chosen, I think I've been wanting the Falcons to win because like they, they, sh- they should be winning their team. But until you until you can prove it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick them. I'm gonna go with the Panthers this week to edge one out. All right, hopping on board the Ewing Theory train, my man. We'll see what nope. happens nope. there. Nope. <laughs> Let's go to the next matchup: the Raiders two and two against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs an eleven and a half point favorite in this one. And James, Kansas City is the first NFL team to start four consecutive seasons four and zero. I like the Chiefs in this one. I'd say this every week, like regardless of which point spread they have of how much they're favored by, like it doesn't matter to me considering how potent this offense is. I like the Chiefs in this one. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs until they give me a reason to not pick against them. Um, You know, they're still the reigning champs. No one's been able to knock them off yet until that changes. Uh, it's kind of just an automatic, it's an automatic Chiefs pick for me. Um, the one thing that I do have to say is like there, I kind of have some concerns about this game being postponed or not played this week. I think that's honestly the more interesting, I guess you could say like line to bet on. I know the Raiders, there was some scrutiny for a bunch of the players going to a charity event, interacting with fans and not wearing masks. I know this past week, Patrick Mahomes gave a hug to a, to a, I think it was a Patriots player that has since tested 
positive for COVID. So for me, and I look at this, I look at this game, it's kind of, it's one of the ones that I could totally see some cases breaking out and, uh, and this game potentially getting postponed. And, I, and for me, that's the more interesting storyline or thing to watch because when it comes to a, a win-loss, I think the Chiefs kind of have a win locked in. James, I'm happy you mentioned that. We have a bit of breaking news here on Stuck in Misery, which doesn't always happen when we record the podcast, but there is a presumptive positive player on the New York Jets who is tested positive. So all Jets players and coaches were sent home. This is coming from ESPN's Adam Schefter. So anything that we say you know, in this podcast, James, has to come with the understanding of Potentially, these games could get postponed right now. I think there's really three options on the table as the league continues to deal with the coronavirus. One would be to force teams to forfeit, which I think would be a terrible precedent to set and would also incentivize teams for lying about positive COVID-19 tests. I think fans would also have a mutiny. So I don't think a forfeit is very likely or probable by any stretch of the means. Second option, and this is the one I'm a proponent and in favor of, would be to add at least one week to the end of the season. You'd bump back the start of the playoffs, maybe bump back the Super Bowl, but it allows for more schedule flexibility in postponing games if inevitably teams, players, people that work with teams come down with coronavirus so you're not spreading it to others. And then the third would be potentially you'd have to concede that maybe we're going to have to do the playoff structure based on win percentage this year and that not all 32 teams in the league will play all 16 games. And that's a very real possibility of what could potentially happen. And especially if you're in a division, say you're up three or four games against the second place team in your division, it might not be necessary to play all 16 games. However, which way it shakes out though, James, it's not going to be totally fair for all parties involved, but the NFL has to do what it can to make sure that games are actually played and that the coronavirus isn't spreading amongst teams, players, coaches, what have you. When we talk about what the NFL maybe could have retrospectively done, you know, it's like hindsight's 2020, right? You're always going to know what you should have done once you know what's happened for the most part. But, uh, you know, you, you look at what some of the conferences have done. Like you look at the ACC, you look at the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and how they went to conference-only schedules and they prioritized the games that were most important they try to keep themselves, I guess, in as in in a in a as safest of like a playing environment as they possibly can, so they can finish their season, give themselves a little bit of flexibility to do so. They need to push back games, and I think they've had a lot of success doing that. Now, when you look at the NFL, like they didn't really make any precautions as far as scheduling goes to try to prevent any scheduling issues because of the coronavirus, right? I would have liked to see them at least try to do something that would prioritize their divisional games, then their conference games, and then you can then do some of those opponents in the other division really to make sure that they're playing the games that are most important to seed them properly for the playoffs. But like I said, hindsight's 2020, they didn't do that. And now they're going to have to find out some other solution to try to make it happen. And, and honestly, right now, whatever solution they 
come up with as long as it isn't like pushing the Super Bowl back to give them more time. Anything that would involve some teams playing less games, other teams playing more, yeah, that's going to be a little bit unfair. But, you know, what, what are you going to do? Because you even look at even look at the college football playoff right now, the uh, Big Ten and the Pac-12 are probably going to play two to three, maybe even four games less than the SEC. James, you bring up some great points there. And, and just to, to what I'm hearing from you is you would have liked to see the league be proactive in scheduling that additional bye week before the start of the season and not have to be reactive to, okay, these players are now testing positive. What can we do to scramble to try to make sure that we're playing all these games? And you see in week four where the Steelers-Titans game gets postponed and the Steelers have to move their bye week up to week four, which was several weeks before the team had initially scheduled that. And so if you're a Steelers fan, you could argue, you know, we're having to try to deal with this now and adjust based on another team's outbreak, not anything that we've done individually. So I hear you there and in, in wishing, you know, exactly like you said, hindsight's 2020, but being proactive versus being reactive to all of this, I think is, is huge. Yeah. And honestly, like in my mind, it's like, I don't know, how could you have done it? I'm not a scheduling guru. Maybe you could have done something where you put your conference and divisional games up front in your schedule, and then you have the other games where you're playing teams outside of the conference towards the end of the season. That way, if you did need to cancel, you'd only be canceling non-conference games. I think that that would have made it a little bit more fair because that way, at least when you get to the end of the season, if you had to cancel a game or two, you know, it wouldn't be against a divisional opponent. So you could at least look at your win percentage based on only playing divisional opponents as far as who gets in the playoffs and who doesn't. And I, and I think that if worst-case scenario happens, that would give the fairest competitive advantage on who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. But this is all speculative. Yep. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. So, I mean, let's just keep rolling, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I I don't think any of us envy the person that has to figure all this out, especially when you consider all the TV broadcasting deals in place as well. The league has to abide by. So certainly good luck to whoever has to figure this out because that person or committee or group of people will have their hands full with all of this. But James, we can get back into the. Yeah. Just the last point, really, really all the NFL, did was they kind of forewent a proactive approach I would say you could argue for maximum amount of games which means maximum amount of ad revenue or media media dollars you know I mean that's the decision that they made it's, it's fine that's the decision they made uh, but I think you probably could have made a decision and also put a plan in place that was a little bit more proactive for if games got canceled because I think before the NFL season even kicked off there had already been like a, a breakout in the MLB. So uh, functioning in an environment that was very similar to that, you, I mean, it was only a matter of time before there would be a breakout in, in the NFL as well. I just think that not having a, a plan in place or a clear plan in place is and how you're going to make up games and how you're going to reschedule games was just, I don't know, a, a bit of a dumb move on the NFL's part. But enough about that. 
Okay, so we will go to our next matchup. We both like the Chiefs to cover over the Raiders. We'll go to the Battle of Pennsylvania, where the Eagles will be on the road at Heinz Field against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers, a seven-point favorite at home. There's going to be about 5,500 fans in the stands in Pittsburgh for that one. Mike Tomlin is 9-4 and four coming off a of bye week in his tenure with the Steelers, and especially with how Philadelphia has struggled there's been calls for Carson Wentz to get benched in favor of rookie Jalen Hurts, which I think is absolutely crazy. But I tell you what, if the Eagles do decide to put Hurts in against this Steelers defense, he's going to be fed to the Wolves. I like the Steelers, and I like the Steelers to cover the seven-point spread on Sunday. Yeah, I like the Steelers too. Listen, I think right now Carson Wentz is he's having some confidence issues. I can't remember where I heard this, but pretty much some uh, some people that know way more about the NFL than, than I do were saying that they did a lot of things early in his career to make him comfortable when he was in the pocket, comfortable in the offense. And right now, I think especially because of a lot of these injuries, he feels very he feels very uncomfortable. When they made the Super Bowl run, I think a lot of his offensive personnel as far as coaches have changed over. So... He's just experienced a lot of change. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a guy that's just kind of lost his mojo, lost his swagger a little bit. And you just need to kind of get him into a groove, get him into a comfort zone so he can start working back. Listen, you, you, you spent a very high draft pick with him. He didn't play in the playoffs when you won a Super Bowl, but he was a, a big factor in what led you to a Super Bowl. So don't abandon your guy, all right? Jalen Hurts. You know, the grass might look better on the other side, but Jalen Hurts is not, is not the NFL-caliber quarterback that Carson Wentz is. So just take into account that your team is devastated by injuries. Your guy's confidence is hurting a little bit. You just got to give him time, and you got to hope that your coaching staff can help him get his swagger back. So we both like the Steelers in that one. We'll move on. The Rams, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the Washington football team. I, I just I don't think that the Washington football team has what it has enough in the tank to beat a, a pretty good and what seems to be a Rams team that's bounced back from a season ago. Um, my question for you though, Mark, is do we think Ron Rivera moved Haskins to the to be a the third stringer as like a, a motivational? Was this like a coaching move or? Is, is Haskins' tenure as a starting QB in Washington over? Dwayne Haskins now benched in favor of Kyle Allen. And Haskins is now the third stringer. Alex Smith is the backup. And remember, Kyle Allen was Rivera's quarterback when Rivera was still the coach of the Carolina Panthers. So Rivera going with his guy, someone he has a rapport with previously as a head coach, certainly whenever a quarterback has a new coaching staff, a new regime, what have you, you've got to kind of ask yourself some questions in the sense that Haskins isn't Rivera's guy. Kyle Allen is. And I think it's telling that Haskins is now the team's third string quarterback, not the backup, and that Alex Smith is the backup. Alex Smith's journey to even be on a roster as an active player is remarkable in and of itself. But I think this is the writing on the wall for Dwayne Haskins' time 
in Washington in the sense that he's now not just the backup, but the third string quarterback there in Washington. I think that tells you all you need to know in that situation. Yes, we're both taking the Rams. Both taking the Rams. We'll go to an AFC North matchup between the Bengals and the Ravens. Now, James, this started as the Ravens as a 14-point favorite. It is now off the board. I'm going to tell you what, it's awfully hard for me to pick against the Ravens in this one if you can find that line somewhere else. Again, this is a game you cannot bet on now, but the Ravens opened as a 14-point favorite. I think the only way that the Bengals cover would be as a backdoor cover in the sense that the Ravens get out to a huge lead, take out all their starters, and then the Bengals get some points in garbage time. But if this is a 14-point spread, is which is what it opened at, I will take the Ravens to cover at 14. But again, a lot of betting services have taken this off the board completely. I think everyone loves Joe Burrow, but they don't love Joe Burrow enough to pick him to beat the Ravens this week. So neither will I. Ravens all the way. They're just, they're just a better football team. 100%. And certainly the Bengals will get better and better in the years to come. I would imagine that when these two teams play again in the future, that it will be closer. But this early on in the season and the Ravens at 3-1, and one, I like the Ravens in this one as well. Here's Go a question ahead. for you, though, Mark. In five years, with the sample size of information that you have right now, who would you rather have be your quarterback, Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow? I'll take Joe Burrow just because what we've seen in this league time and time and time again, that has nothing to do with Lamar Jackson's ability, but Lamar Jackson as a running quarterback, we've seen what happens to running backs in this league as they age. And I think in the sense that Lamar could redefine the position in the sense that if quarterbacks are going to be runners like running backs are, I mean, this is a guy who had more than a thousand yards on the ground last season quarterbacks might not have the same durability as we've seen traditionally with your pocket passing quarterback guys like a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or uh, Philip Rivers or a Drew Bledsoe, that kind of quarterback who moves around in the pocket. It is a pocket passer. Just we've seen that that kind of quarterback can last longer in this league. We've seen what's happened to other running quarterbacks. We've seen what's happened to running backs as they age. I will take Joe Burrow in that conversation. Again, that has nothing to do with Lamar Jackson's ability, but just what we've seen from other quarterbacks and other players in NFL history. What about you, James? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I mean, I have to say the same thing. I think, I mean, I think Joe Burrow from a, from like an, uh, when you look at a traditional NFL quarterback, I think Joe Burrow has more potential to grow as a passer than Lamar does. Because what we've seen this year is everyone's like, well, can Lamar Jackson take a step forward and have that efficiency when you make him throw outside of the numbers? And he really hasn't. And the run game is still such a huge part of who he is as a quarterback that I, I like the upside of my longevity standpoint of like, Joe Burrow's development as a passer over Lamar's. And I also like the longevity of Joe Burrow's health over Lamar Jackson because Lamar's a runner. I think as far as like 
I don't know, maybe in five years. I, I just, I still want to say though that like Lamar's, Lamar's running ability makes him one of the most like exciting, one of the most electric, and and a player who can like honestly just flip the script on you because of his legs. So I don't want to like discredit him by any means, but it's just like, like you said, kind of from what we see in the league, like Joe Burrow seems to be like from a longevity standpoint the better option. Yeah, and with Jackson. What happens with this Ravens team when they go down two scores or they face double-digit deficits? We've seen this time and time again that they struggle to come back in those kind of games. And Jackson's now 0-2 in his young career thus far as a playoff quarterback. So that's really the big question is, can this team come back facing a multiple-score deficit, and can they get it done in the playoffs? We'll see. I certainly would expect the Ravens to be back in the playoffs this season. We'll move to the Jags at the Texans. And James, I think that the Texans will get it done and get their first win of the season. And this comes after firing Bill O'Brien as the team's coach and general manager and offensive play caller. Don't know what other duties Bill O'Brien had in Houston, but... Uh, I heard heard that he was also the team chef. So they need a new chef now as well. He did, yeah, he did. He did all the he did all the grocery shopping. He did all the cooking, the cleaning. <laughs> he was the GM, the head coach, the play caller. Yep. He did the team's laundry as well. And so, uh, uh, well, I think I, well he had an assistant to help him with that. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I said, he, grocery shopping. He bought all the laundry detergent. He did the laundry. Yeah, no, he did it all. So, Houston is 0-4 for the first time since 2008. But the Jags, who have covered in several games, James, but the pass rush for this Jaguars team is an issue. They have only four sacks, and that's tied for 29th in the league. I think the Texans get it done. I think they rebound. I think that they're going to be happy not playing for Bill O'Brien. I like the Texans to cover at home over the Jags. Yeah, you know, I I would agree. I think you look at this game – I think from like a managerial perspective, you don't fire your coach unless you think that like the next week you got a, you got like a lock for a win. You know what I mean? All right. So we are back on Stuck in Misery and leave it to both of us, James. I had an internet outage. You were on the road and we're back though. So you're also in person, no longer on the phone, in the flesh. And uh, let's get back to our picks. Marky, it was it was wild. I was sitting there. And I was like, oh no, man! Like I forgot my USB cord. Like phones running on fumes, rolling into. I'm picking my little sister up from Kansas State, and it's like, you know, right now I'm in Omaha, and like Omaha to Kansas, like that's that's God's country out there. You know what I mean? Like there's not even there's not even signage to tell you like where Manhattan, Kansas is. So I'm sitting there, and I was like, dude, if my phone died, like not only is there no one to ask for directions if I get lost? But like, I was like, I'm literally just gonna be rolling around in like, on like route 77 Kansas state highway back roads through cornfields. Like, like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like lost. Like it's going to be, it's going to be like children of the corner. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, truly like, stuck in misery. Huh? I was on the phone. We were calling that zap my phone ba- battery. Like I'm at like, five percent left and so i just get on and i just like memorize like my last like hour of the drive every single turn i had to make i was like going through it in my head and then finally it died and like thank god like i got there no problem but like 
Jeez Louise, man. It was a, it was eventful. It was eventful. Right. And, and honestly, I'm glad that we took a, that we took a pause because I probably would have killed the last bit of my phone battery and I would have had no <laughs> idea where I was going. All right, so we're back. We've got Jags Texans. So do we both like the Texans in this game? I guess uh, is the question. Yes, sorry. Yes, we, we, yeah, we both like the Texans here, you know. Houston's the pick there. We'll go to the Dolphins against the 49ers. Raheem yeah. Mostert practiced on Thursday. It looks like he will play. Debo Samuel missed practice yesterday, and we'll see. He's sick, does not have COVID-19, though. I, I'm going to take the 49ers. I just I can't gamble on the Dolphins. I mean, nine points is a lot, but I just have no faith in this Dolphins team whatsoever. I'll take the 49ers minus nine. Yeah, man. I mean, I think uh, whether, whether you have Garoppolo back for this game or not, I think right now they're, I'm, I'm under the impression that they're rolling with, with their what was third-string quarterback into this week. I think the formula is real simple. You feed the rock to Moser and you feed the rock to Kittle. It takes like four dudes to bring him down. So I think they do that. And I think Miami's bad enough where it'll work also for that pick. So I think we both like the 49ers, which it also seems like they're rolling with the two man band this week and Moser and Kittle. So <laughs> I think it's safe to say that Mark, Mark and I, the two man band this week, like the other two man band in Kittle and Moser. 49ers all the way, baby. Well done. Well done, James. We will now go to the Colts at the Browns, and both teams riding three-game winning streaks headed into this one. James, I don't know if you knew this. The Browns are 3-1 and one for the first time since 2001, and this is an offensive line that's playing really well. They're running the ball at a better clip than any team in the NFL, but this Colts defense is legit. They held the Bears to 11 points in week four and only 28 yards rushing. They have the best pass defense in the league as well. I like the Colts in this one to win. It's pretty much a pick on the Colts only favored by a point. But I think Cleveland, they're having a great year. They're, they had a great first quarter but I can't pick them against a Colts team that I think, I think this Colts defense is super legit, but we'll see Sunday. I'm going to take the Colts here minus one. I think I'm going to go with the Browns this week. And I'll say this, a lot of teams, when you lose your feature back, you're, you're in a bad spot, but you know, if you're going to have, if you're going to have uh, an all pro running back go down with a serious injury, I don't think there's an, another team in the NFL that's in a better spot than the Cleveland Browns because they have Kareem Hunt, who is arguably just as good, and another former number one running back. You play for the Chiefs as well. And I know that there are some rumors about Kareem Hunt being banged up. Hopefully he'll be healthy for this game, and hopefully he'll really have a chance to benefit by being like that solo starting running back once again and kind of get, get his shot to – to be in the limelight, do his thing, you know, but I'll, I'll say the same thing this week. You know, I like the Browns, but the less Baker Mayfield throws the ball, the better. Uh, hopefully the cream hunt show can just show out. Yeah. Nick Chubb will miss more than a month with a knee sprain and Kareem hunt came in. And that was a question I had after that game where they took care and beat the Dallas Cowboys in week four was I was like, well, why didn't they give the ball to Kareem hunt more? He's nursing a groin injury, so certainly you have to be careful with him. But 
Dearness Johnson came in, played really well. Dontrell Hilliard played really well. And really this offensive line, that was the major upgrade that the Browns made, the position group where they made the most upgrades in drafting Jadrick Wills out of Alabama to play left tackle. And they got Jack Conklin to play right tackle. He was the right tackle for Derrick Henry as a member of the Tennessee Titans a season ago. And remember, it was Henry who won the NFL's rushing title in 2019. So this Browns offensive line has played extremely well, regardless of who they put back there. And that's why they're averaging close to six yards a carry when they run the ball out of the backfield. They've got a stable of running backs. It's really been a two-headed monster with Chubb and Hunt. But with Chubb missing some time, you're, you're going to have Hunt, you're going to have Johnson, and you're going to have Hilliard in that backfield for Cleveland. You know, I think, too, last week we, we finally got to see Odell make some plays again. And, you know, I guess I'll retract my statement slightly where I said the less Baker throws the ball, the better. Sure, let, let Baker throw the ball 17 times, but for every single time after that, like if it's a target to Odell, like I won't count it towards that number. Because I think the more you can get that guy the ball, the, the more big play potential this offense has. And I, and I think the more exciting and I think the more electric this offense becomes as well. Let me dispute that just to play devil's advocate with you here, James, just because this has been a point of contention with Browns fans now, going back to when they got him at the start of last season. His teams have a 9-17 and 17 records when he has at least 100 yards receiving. Now, he had more than 100 total yards, including that end round he took for a touchdown. Three-touchdown performance. It was his first multi-touchdown game since 2018. But this has been a narrative with Browns fans of, oh, we got to get OBJ the ball. we got to get OBJ the ball. Teams don't necessarily win when he puts up 100-plus yards receiving. That being said, if not for his efforts on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys, I'm not sure if the Browns win that game, even despite the fact that they were up, I think, 27 points on Sunday. Dallas very nearly came back and won that game. But certainly an exciting player to watch. And it was like the first time he was really having fun since last year's game against the Jets on Monday Night Football. And really maybe dating back to his days with the Giants or maybe his days at LSU, but it was awesome to see him actually having fun on a football field again. It had been so long. I'm just saying this right now. It's like, he's a receiver. Like what, what do you do when you're losing? You, you air the ball out. Like, yep. Yep. Um, and now he's on a team with a quarterback that performs better with the less that quarterback throws the ball. So that's that. <laughs> he was also on a team with Eli Manning who like literally, we literally saw him falling apart in front of our eyes. So I guess, you know, that set doesn't surprise me, but he's one of those guys like get him in space and he's only going to do good things for your offense, man. Speaking of OBJ, his former team, the giants going up against the Dallas Cowboys, a nine and a half point favorite at home. But James, this Cowboys defense is awful. I am of the belief that the Cowboys should be 0-4, if not for their miraculous comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. Dak's balling out. He's the first player ever to put up 450-plus yards in three consecutive games. He's got the most yardage in a four-game stretch. More than any other player, he broke Kurt Warner's record. But this defense is so bad. I'm going to take the Giants to cover. I think Dallas certainly wins in this game, but the, the Cowboys defense, 
They have allowed 38 plus points in three consecutive games. That's only the second time that's happened in Cowboys franchise history. And the first time that that's happened since 1960 that was the Cowboys first season in the NFL. I'm going to take the Giants to cover, but I like the Cowboys to win a nine and a half point spread. What do you got? Yeah, man, I don't quite get this Cowboys team because their defense is really, really, really bad, but they just want to air it out and have Dak throw for 450 yards, which is cool. But I don't know when you have the second, third best running back in the league and you can pound the rock with him behind a good offensive line and you can eat up clock, which will keep your offense on the field and your defense off the field. Like I just don't, I just like don't quite understand this Cowboys philosophy here. And I think they're underutilizing Zeke and I think it's hurting their defense. I think their offense is hurting their defense. Honestly, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a personnel thing, although maybe it's a personnel because it kind of seems like they want to air this ball. They want to air the ball out and they're, but then they went out and they paid Zeke. So just like what they did with their money doesn't necessarily match what they're doing with their play calling scheme. And, and it's, I find it very confusing. But yeah, like easy, I guess the easy fix is feed Zeke the rock. Let him eat. Keep your defense off the field, own more of the possession clock. And I think like it'll it'll help their team. It'll help their defense 100%. That being said, Giants are terrible. Cowboys cover. Okay. One other thing I'm going to say in favor of the Giants is news came down today that left tackle Tyron Smith He's going to miss the rest of the season for the Cowboys with a neck injury, and that will require surgery next week. So Cowboys will be without their starting left tackle as well. Neck surgery is never is never a good thing to hear. Neck injury in football is never a good thing to hear. So hopefully he, he can make a quick recovery and get back on the field. Vikings at Seahawks. Seahawks, seven and a half point favorite. And the Vikings picked up their first win of the season last weekend against the Houston Texans. And rookie receiver Justin Jefferson got going. He followed up an 175-yard performance against the Titans with 103 yards against the Texans. And this really bodes well for Kirk Cousins in this offense. That being said, with how well we've seen Russell Wilson play this season, and I know a lot of that's been because they've hashtag let Russ cook, but the Seahawks passing defense has been so bad that the Seahawks have needed to air it out and they've needed to really lean on and utilize Russell Wilson's passing ability. I don't know. The Vikings still haven't shown me a whole lot this season. I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover that seven and a half point spread. The Vikings haven't given me enough of a reason to pick them either. So I, I concur. I agree. For me, it's like, okay, who am I going to wager on? Russell Wilson, the likely MVP through the first quarter of the season, Cousins. or Kirk Cousins? Exactly, man. Exactly. And that's not to hate on Kirk Cousins, but it's just amazing to me that this Vikings team sits at one and three through the first quarter of this season. And this was a team that not only made the playoffs last season, they won a playoff game. Remember, they beat the Saints in the first round of the playoffs. And so I just I don't understand what's happened to this Vikings team through the first quarter of the season. They're not the same team that they are a season ago. I know linebacker Anthony Barr is out for the season. There are several injuries, but I'm going to pick Seattle on this one. I just The Vikings haven't given me any reason to believe in them this season, but 
hey, this week could change things around for their season, but we'll see. We'll go to Monday Night Football where there are two matchups. We'll go to the first one, the Broncos against the Patriots. Quarterback Drew Locke is 50-50 in his return. And let me take a look here, James, because this game was not on the board to be able to wager on. So what we'll do, James, because this is not on the board right now, is we'll just do a straight-up pick em between the Broncos and the Patriots because there's no line right now for this game. I'm going to take the Patriots to regroup here. It's not just Drew Locke coming back from injury. It's a team that's been decimated by injuries, whether you're talking about Vaughn Miller, whether you're talking about Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay has missed time. I just think the Broncos have too many injuries to be able to be competitive on Monday Night Football against the Patriots. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I don't want to do that. Like, you know, my head, my head's telling me Patriots. My heart's kind of wants the Broncos to win this one. But uh, I'm going to go with my head here. Uh, I just think that I'm not going to pick against the Patriots defense when there's so many injuries to the Broncos right now. Like, you know, like Cortland Sutton's out. Patrick Lindsay's out. Drew Locke's 50-50. Their offensive line, I think their left tackle opted out at the beginning of the season. So they're just missing too many pieces. The other Monday night matchup will be the Chargers against the Saints. And the Saints have been without Michael Thomas. I know we've talked about that quite a bit here on Stuck in Misery, but they've also been without cornerbacks Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. They've, they've had a guard out. They've had defensive end Marcus Davenport out and tight end Jared Cook. So it's not just Thomas's absence with the Saints. Seven and a half point favorite over the Chargers who – they can't go back to Tyrod Taylor at this point with how rookie Justin Herbert is playing. Seven and a half points is just a little bit too much for me. I'm going to take the Chargers to cover. I do not like them to win outright, but I think they'll cover that seven and a half on the road against New Orleans. I think that the Saints were in a bit of a similar situation to what I talked about earlier this year when Detroit had uh, Kenny G out. You know, I was like, man, like Kenny G's going to come back this week. And we'll really figure out, like, is Detroit bad or is their chemistry just messed up because their number one receiver is missing? And honestly, like, you know, we look at previous New Orleans teams. I think that's kind of the case, you know. Like, Drew Brees is not a young quarterback anymore. And so I think he relies on Michael Thomas more than people want to think he does. Belichick and Brady, New England Patriots, were like notorious for being able to win games without any wide receivers. And I think that's made a lot of people in the league like devalue how important like your number one receiver truly is to your football team and what an impact it can have to your whole offense when they're out. So uh, I'm going to take the Saints to cover. I think, I think Michael Thomas and Drew Brees are going to ball out this week. I want to point out that James means Kenny Galladay by Kenny Jean for the music lovers out there, not Kenny G, the saxophonist. I just want to make sure we're on the same page there, James. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I feel the need as the host of Stuck in Misery always to specify which Kenny G we're talking about. And I do it for the listeners, James. On a premier Midwest sports talk podcast, sometimes it could be confusing that the Kenny G I'm talking about is the football player in the segment about NFL picks, not the saxophonist. 
Yeah, I mean, especially as we get closer to the holiday season, and I know he's got a few Christmas albums where he really hands it up and, you know, plays different renditions of your Christmas favorites. You know, you're going to hear that sooner. Listen, man, we get later into the season, we get closer and closer to December, the holiday season. We're really going to have to make sure we're on our game to make sure that the listeners know which Kenny G we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're both so smooth, too. They're really easy to uh, get, <laughs> get confused. Uh, but, yeah, man, no. I, I, think, I think it'll be a big week for the Saints. Okay. Last game of the week, James. Bills against Titans. And before we pick this one, again, this was one that was off the board, so we'll pick this one straight up. The Josh Allen MVP train is rolling, my friend. Two weeks ago, he was plus 2,000. Last week, he was plus 1,200. He is now listed at plus 1,000 as the fourth favorite to win the NFL MVP. Russell Wilson's the favorite, Aaron Rodgers the second favorite, and Mahomes is third. They are the clear-cut favorites if you look at the odds overall. But Josh Allen's got this team rolling. They're 4-0, and that's the first time the Bills have been 4-0 since 2008. And it's the second time since their third Super Bowl season in 1992. I forget who said it on the pod a couple of weeks ago. It might have been you, James. But it's a shame that Bill's Mafia is not getting to enjoy this in the flush amongst their tailgates, amongst their games. And just what a season Josh Allen has had. I'm all aboard the Josh Allen MVP train. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think so we're both going with the Bills this week. Yeah, I think so. I know the Titans had a bye week, but it's unclear how, how often they've been able to get to their practice facility since they had their COVID outbreak. Remember, the Titans' week four game against the Steelers was postponed, and just the way that this Bills team is playing, I will take the Bills to win on the road against the Titans on Tuesday night. Like you mentioned, I think one of my – I mean, the Bills, the Bills are hot right now. Uh, so hot right now. And I think that, that there's there's a lot of adversity kind of facing the Titans right now. They're kind of ground zero for the first outbreak in the NFL. I'm sure there's a lot of media tension, a lot of question marks, a lot of uncertainty on what's going to happen. And I know these guys are all professionals, but still at the same time, like when you got all this happening, that's a lot of noise in the background. And I think it can be hard to, to get focused and to really move on to the next game. I think the Titans will sure play well, but I just don't see them being able to, uh, to knock off a, a really good Bills team. I'm excited because we've got two Monday night games. We've got a Tuesday game. We'll have a break Wednesday, and then we've got Thursday night football all over again, and it's like we reset for week six, so I'm really excited for this. But, James, we got through all the games in the week five action. Final thoughts before signing off here. Hopefully we have no more games this week getting canceled. You know, all the Jets now – and personnel were told to leave the facilities because of a prospective positive test. Hopefully, whoever tested positive didn't spread it to the other team because we really don't want to see any more games postponed or played on Tuesday. You know, let's just keep it Monday night, Sunday night, and Thursday night. Fair enough. See, I'm excited for the Tuesday game, but – you could, throw, you could throw the XFL out there, and I'd probably, I'd probably still watch. But I hear you in terms of postponements and cancellations. You're a fan touchdown Tuesdays. I got it. But <laughs> let's, just, 
let's just uh, let's keep it on the schedule, man. We don't we don't want the the schedule getting too uh, to use a mark adjective wonky moving into the rest of the season because it's going to have effects on on future games. I'm a fan of Touchdown Tuesdays, and as much as I love our other co-host Sam Renshin, I'm also a fan of the two man band. For James West, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to Stuck in Misery. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the show. Take care. So long, everyone, and enjoy the Week 5 action.